Welcome to Talk Design, the show where creatives have conversations. I'm Adrian Ramsey and I'm your host. Having lived a life of design myself, I wanted to share with you the creatives that inspire me and in turn may inspire you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Adrian Ramsey and I'm your host on Talk Design. I started this podcast because I wanted to share the journey of design that I've had and that many others have had. And I find it inspirational talking to people globally about what makes design tick and what makes design create a better world for others. My journey has taken me from clothing globally, women's swimwear, performance sportswear, mountaineering, yachting, all these kind of genres where each place I would learn more and more about different specifics and how clothing can support those. Also, I've worked in innovation as a systematic innovation trainer and worked with the aerospace industry as well as the marketing industry and the design industry. And all my years of design, still my favorite is the built structure and interiors and years of travel and discovery, I constantly look at what the emotions are that are created by the built space. I consider myself a student of design for my whole life and will go on that way. Some of the things that I do to support this is my podcast and then workshops and masterclasses where I teach people about trends and design thinking and tours where I take people on tour with me and we go and discover different points of architecture or interior design globally. I always think that when you're passionate about something, one of the things that you should do is is you should share it. And so creating the podcast was my way of sharing my enthusiasm and the enthusiasm of others and their passions around design with you. I hope you really enjoy it. And I ask you, would you please drop us a line? Tell us what you think. Tell us what got you excited. It's so inspiring when we get messages from our listeners that tell us about the things that shifted in their life because of who they listened to. And it gives me the inspiration to dig deeper and find more people that I can bring to your ears so that you live a better design life. My guest on Talk Design today is Carmen Kenny. Now, Carmen is the founder and an extremely passionate human being of a company called Mineral Fox. Now, Mineral Fox is all about plasters and renders and natural finishes, as well as micro cements. Carmen, welcome to Talk Design. I really want to dig into lots of things like around the building biology of these products and about the why and why nots and what to do. It's a huge wave in in the trend of people with their health and in the building space. People are engaging with it really rapidly. And it seems that something changed in the market that made it available all of a sudden as well, that it wasn't previously. So welcome to Talk Design and let's talk. All right. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome, hon. 
I want to start out though with like some things that are nothing to do with your product. They're all about you. So somewhere along the line, you're this creative and in this journey, you, you, it's not your first foray into something creative, but you've taken it into something that's going to be used like in the home and in the built structure. But what was the journey that got you to this? Like, where did you start out? And when did this sort of, even pre this idea, what was the influences? Mm-hmm. Well, I'd uh, lived overseas and travelled a lot for 15 years. And I was always a, a real geek when I went to places like Morocco and Greece. I'd be like photographing the floor, photographing the walls, asking the management of hotels what this finish is, stopping on the side of the roads to take photos of cement bags, things like that. So I kind of knew there was something a bit strange about me because <laughs> 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 um, no one else seemed to care. Or if I saw a photo on, I don't know what the social media platforms were back then, but I'd be like, why is no one asking about what's on the walls? And when my husband Rob and I moved back to the Sunshine Coast and bought a house, I wanted these amazing finishes in our own house. And I quickly realized that what was available in Australia was either not good quality or it was imported from Europe, had plastics and chemicals and just, it just wasn't my aesthetic. It was very busy, shiny, everything Mm. had a plastic coat over it. We had multiple bathroom failures just trying to get that Moroccan look. And I stood back and went, hang on a minute. Actually, I seem to know more than the people that are I'm the smartest person in the room. I'm like, what's going on? (laughs) So I was actually a very frustrated customer. And I ended up, because I knew about micro cement from Europe, and I... I learned how to apply it, did the bathroom myself because no one else wanted to, put it on Instagram. And then I had all these women that were going through all these challenges themselves contact me asking me all these questions. And at the time I had a furniture business and I thought, you know, I would, I would love to do something here, but it was like creating something from nothing. Like what would yeah. it even look like? And I started eventually Mineral Fox as more of a empowering women kind of business. I'd do online courses about renders and plasters and engaging applicators. It's a real and, educator. Yeah. I was like, I was, I was a frustrated customer. And a, I, <laughs> a, dis, a disruptor. <laughs> I was. And then, then I started... Yeah, I was originally in the business myself on my own, started reselling some products and the response was, it was like, well, there's something here. And then the business kind of grew. We started, my husband joined me in the business. I'd spent at this time probably two years importing micro cements from around the world, testing them and found this amazing product in France, Macadam Decoration started importing that and that the business just changed That's when it moved right because there's nothing else like it in Australia of yeah. that high standard of that beautiful mm-hmm. look and then you know I I guess being a, a first mover I suppose yeah. I was lucky enough to find an amazing mentor and 
they've kind of coached me through this wild ride in <laughs> that I knew nothing about. And as I learned and I read research papers and just read so many books, I learned about the power of natural finishes and that have been around, geez, thousands of years, you know. Well, ever since something's been built. Yeah. You know, yeah. like like every built structure, either was the what whatever it was made of, like if it was timber or if it was rock, and then, you know, like you build a limestone house out of the rocks on the site, you pretty in, pretty quickly end up doing something to, you know, fill the gaps and the holes between the rocks, and that becomes a finish that ends up on the outside of it, and it, it takes us down the journey. I have a question, though, that I want to go way back to when you said, you know, you were this geeky, geeky traveller. Um, <laughs> I think I've seen you out there. Um, <laughs> Taking photos of my or Exactly, or somebody you inspired. Yeah. So right back at that point, you were drawn to it. Were you drawn to it because of its utility or did it make you feel a certain way? What? Why did you fall in love with the Moroccan finishes where you could have been in, say, Germany and fell in love with brick? Or, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, why, what was it, what was the emotional journey that, it, it the bug that bit you as such, you know, what what was that bug that you've, you, you can't get rid of, it's part of your life now? It's interesting, I can't answer it, you know, in a very black and white way, but I had the same feeling when I was 21, and I went to a market and I saw this incredible piece of embroidered Indian dupatta, like a shawl, yep. my heart set on fire, and I've learned now, at 44, that when I get that feeling, you go for it. That, that's the universe telling you this way. Right. So they, I can't answer it in the sense that when other people were noticing all these other things, I was noticing what was on the walls. And I also, over the years, have been drawn to things like pottery and textiles. And, you know, you can see from my top. I'm Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And I used yeah. to import antique Indian furniture and have it all refinished. So it's same, same, but different. I yeah. love old crafts, taking something old and making it modern and beautiful in a totally fresh way. So for me, whether it's old textile traditions, you know, yep. batik or embroidery or refinishing furniture or these old plasters, I see what they could be, not yes. what they need to be. So I kind of see things through my own lens. Mm. And I'll, I'll see something and go, oh, that could be beautiful if it was done like this. Sure. Or yep. this yep. So I just yep. have a weird kind of lens, I suppose. I, I don't know that it is that weird. It's like I used to work in the fashion industry and design swimwear and <laughs> like women's swimwear was my sort of specialty, my niche. And with that, I would be inspired by the craziest things, the craziest things. I would be like you traveling somewhere and I would see maybe, uh, I don't know, a shadow on a wall and, and, and it would capture my eye and I'd go, how does that become a swimsuit? How does that happen? How does that, what would we have to do to capture the feeling I just got and put it into a garment and and the same kind of thing like and then also when I would go we would have fabric 
reps that would come. I would look at a piece of fabric and it would run me around into a garment. Like it would be like, yes, this one's this, this one's this. And it's not a journey you can describe. It's just one that happens. And the same happens to me with the architectural space. I, you know, walk onto a piece of land and if there's going to be a house built there, I'm looking for where it is and the house will reveal itself. It shows me where it will be. It shows me, and then I'll analyze and question and, you know, try and break what it's telling me. Mm-hmm. But it tells me, I don't tell it. Yeah. it. It starts to inform me of what it needs to be. And so I get totally what you're saying. And I like, I love those, the finishes, like, and I'm thinking of my journeys through Europe and stuff where, you know, you have this old, even if it's new plaster work, but you have this plaster work that's on things. And the tactile kind of, you've got a very, very hard surface that feels like it's going to be soft. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like a dichotomy, is that the word, you know, like one's yeah. telling you this and the other's telling you yeah. that. Yeah. And there's something that drags you in. And, you know, with plaster finishes, I often say to people, you've got to understand they're like, they're like a human's face. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what do you mean? And I go, well... If I take a little photo of a piece of your face, your, your skin, you know, and when I say a little photo, a photo of your skin, but it's up close enough, I see the different color tones that are falling backwards through your through your skin that make your skin color. Mm-hmm. And in seeing that, it in the architectural des, interior design sense, you'd say it blooms, mm-hmm. you know? And that whole thing, you know, like you take a pregnant woman and how radiant they can look from their face. And the, the 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 color of their skin shifts, and that's what I see when I see beautiful finishes. That you can, there's a tactility, and you can sense them, but they're still hard. They're still like firm. They're still, but Definitely. they there's a, almost a mystery in them. You look into them. Absolutely. That and that to me is what I fall in love with, and that's why I was like going. So what 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 inspires you with that? You know, it's like what what is that piece that you discovered yeah, it's like chalk paint you know as opposed to like acrylic paint <laughs> dare I say so anyway yeah that was one of the pieces I really like it took out of that first part of what you were saying and it but it engaged you and it pulled on you and it pulled on you and pulled on you yeah it wouldn't let me go there was no way I could not create mineral fox because it just you know it came in whispers then it was a tap on the head and then it was like big bangs like you you must go down this path i couldn't escape it <laughs> love it I, I love it 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 well what what i really love beyond that's what it did to you is is that you actually didn't just keep shelving it and putting it in the bottom drawer i tried <laughs> <laughs> but it owned you didn't escape it just you know it was it was meant for me and I was meant for it how cool how cool and then you had this ever patient husband who indulged your journey indeed he did yeah (laughs) he's used to me you know I've always been you know a dreamer passionate you know always driving forward fruition and uh he's kind of used to it but with mineral fox he quickly saw that this is something bigger than us you know it's something that um, you're a conduit to it 
Yeah, and the world needs it. And just the reaction to it, it's only three years old. And, you know, we're a national company now. And he he was in media and he didn't want to do that anymore anyway. So it worked out really well. And like we were chatting before, we've got really great complementary skill sets. So he calls himself the brake and I'm the accelerator. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what you need in a car. That's it. You need both. Yeah, I mean, you need everything. You need a brake and accelerator on every journey. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, with it, when you started to like get get to the point of the frustration because you wanted to create what sounded like something that you had been influenced from from Morocco or wherever. You know, you said about a bathroom and and doing these kind of finishes in a bathroom, which would have to be short of well no I would say the bathroom had to be the most challenging thing that you could choose yep the kitchen would come next yeah but the I mean what was the problem that you couldn't just start with a bedroom or something like that what why did you have to go to the extreme just from my own situation so that dream Moroccan bathroom turned out to be a nightmarish hell applications with different products no one wanted to touch it and so I was actually heavily pregnant as well so you weren't so you weren't actually that approachable and that's why he let you run with it it. (laughs) and so we didn't have a bathroom and I thought well I've got to fix this myself so that's kind of how it went down that area and after lots of research and importing all these different micro cements, I found this incredible one and it worked. I mean, it's, it is amazing. This is uh, the French one. Yeah. Yeah. This is Macadia decoration. This is the one that we're, we, we supply We've done it for three years without issue. And that's, that's why it kind of started with the bathrooms. And I knew of a lot of particularly women that wanted these, beautiful bathrooms beyond tiles and we're having so many heartaches I knew that I could make a difference so you say you knew of this woman that obviously via social I imagine but what what were their motivations that they want these bathrooms that are seamless is it, are they worried about cleaning grout or what what is it that they're looking for what's driving them or is it yeah, you know, tell me that, answer that bit first and then. <laughs> I think it, maybe it was a little bit different then. I think there was the element of having, you know, with Pinterest and everything, you see these beautiful mm-hmm. Mediterranean style bathrooms where it's seamless and it's serene and it, it was so different to anything that was going on in Australia. And there are people trying to do it but it wasn't working out very well because the way we build here and also the the trade, the type of trades and the skill set levels with these kind of materials that you see in Pinterest just wasn't here. So I think to answer your question, it was more wanting a look. Yes, right. They wanted the look. And, yeah, the the thing of um, finding people who are artisans is always a challenge. And I, I've got this story with this where many years ago I did a apartment up in, it was down in Burley Heads, 
in the Gold Coast. And these clients were like, they gave me kind of pretty free reign. They, they were quite prescriptive in a lot of things, but then they gave me really free reign. I wanted this, that they'd been in uh, Europe on a holiday and they had come back and they wanted that field. They wanted a piece of that field. They were right on beachfront and it was an old apartment building. And so they wanted things like, you know, some flowy curtains and they wanted some walls that felt like they were in the med. And so I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, of course we can. And I'm like, oh, we'll use some paint finishes to get the the blooming effect of it. Yeah. And well, we did use Porter's paint. So that was probably the best thing that we came across. But what we did was I said to the, I said to a renderer, you know, I need it or a plaster. I said, I need this wall that is like undulating, just gently undulating as if it's been finished by somebody's hands, not a trowel, their hands. And this guy just looks at me and he goes, mate, I've got a straight edge (laughs) and I'll finish it flat. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I need it to move about maybe a centimetre in total in and out. And he's like, so what? You want it to wave here in and then back out again? I'm like, no, 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 no. I want it to be a little bit here and then a little bit over here and a little bit over here as if you were going over rocks. Well, there are no rocks, mate. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm just going in circles here. And then I met this other, so I'm, I'm, I pursued it. I'm going, I'm going to get there. And we've got, the building was built out of like an internal brick, you know, the large size bricks and filled in between concrete columns. And anyway, I finally found a guy who said to me, oh yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I, And I'm showing them photos, but of course it's not dynamic that you can't see that movement. And so I finally found this guy who said, oh, yeah, I can do that with corner cement. So, you know, the cement that you use, which is as hard as rock, like really, really hard. And I went, okay, give it a go. And I'm thinking all the time I'm thinking this is going to cost a fortune to remove. And he did me a little patch and then I got my wet hands. So I let it just, just start to go. And then I got my wet hands and pushed it enforced it and he was like oh okay so he did another patch and did the same and I said okay now do that entire wall and through the kitchen which we did and then we painted it with a a multi like a a wash paint we washed it maybe about maybe six layers or something like that so that it got this kind of soft patina and then we waxed the kitchen area and did the other but it was so unique so that these Clients of mine, they would have people come over and they would be walking up and touching the walls. Yeah. Yeah, that and that's that you knew I knew that when that happened, we'd got as close as I was gonna get. Like we'd we'd done what you just did in Europe. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. And that's the thing. You don't have to like that's what we hear from clients all the time is that, oh my God, people come over and they just want to touch the walls. Mm-hmm. They, Adrian, can we, I'm just sorry, will you be able to edit this just for a second? Yeah, just pause. Yeah, no problem. So with what we did, you know, I knew I had it at that point. People were touching the walls and they just wanted to be tactile and they wanted to feel them. 
And so at that point, you kind of know that there's something going on. You've engaged people. So you're on the win. Yeah. And that's what we hear from clients all the time. They're like, oh, my God, these walls, everyone comes over and just wants to touch them. And the other great thing is when you're using a natural plaster or render is that no two applications are the same. Mm -hmm. And also you can do so much with them. So you can have it flat, polished, matte, undulated, textured. And that's the one of the beauty, beautiful things about natural plasters and renders. You can just, the possibilities are endless. I think this is the piece that engages me so much with them is that I feel like there's the spirit of the person who put the application on it, with it. It's there. They're, and that, you know, generally they're, even if it's in Europe, they're tradespeople. They they're they're tradespeople. They, and they're doing it because they're doing it the way they're doing it because that's how it was done before them and it was done before them and it was done before them and it was done before them. And it's the kind of expectation. And, you know, like I think of the Americans and they, you know, a lot of, well, lots of people love Europe, but and the, and the Americans in particular tend to be like they go there and they see this stuff and they fall in love with it. But then it doesn't always translate. And I think the Australians are worse than the Americans <laughs> because the Australian aesthetic is so much that it's got to be perfect. Yes. That the artist, the artisan is lost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then this generation of people that you're talking about that well, we're talking about and this that they want to feel this. They want to feel like it was crafted. Mm -hmm. and we don't have much room in our product catalogue for these things. You know, and I mean, handmade tiles have made a big comeback as well, and machine-made tiles that look like handmade tiles have made a big comeback because people are craving some feeling from it, not just practicality and surfacing. Yeah, I think you know, what I see and what I feel is that, you know, like I tell people, Mineral Fox, we help people return to nature. And I think that, Love that that's what so many of us are searching for, whether it's, you know, in our homes or just generally, we want to have that feeling of connection, serenity, individuality, all these things that have been lost. I want to add honesty. Yes, exactly. And, you know, when we talk about trades, one of the things that we did, which was very difficult and, and quite controversial, was that we didn't just open up our sales channel to any tradesperson. We carefully built a network of trusted approved applicators and that took time and it, it was challenging because in Australia the the experience level with lime gypsum clay or earth just you know it, it's not the pretty kind much of, didn't exist yeah it's not yeah. like in other countries where it's like you say handed down from generations you know so on we, that on that point yeah. though like our first nations people didn't build like that they didn't they didn't go and create structures like that and so 
and and if you go to New Zealand, they didn't either. They created their structures out of timber, you know. And so that's the difference also. In Europe, they created their structures from rock a lot of the time and timber, but like rock and the places that you've said about where they created them from, you know, sand, rock, those actual earth materials, you know, clay, those kind of things. And that's where this whole, I suppose, feeling comes from because those landscapes are, the the buildings are kind of at one with their landscapes a lot of the time. That's right. Exactly. Mm. So you get this beautiful feeling of connectedness. Mm. And, and it's holistic to some point as well. Like, you know, you're in Greece or you're in Spain or those places and the buildings, I say the buildings, let's just go the homes. Once they're in your country and stuff, they're kind of of what's around it. Mm-hmm. The, the, there's, it's not like anything's trapped in because it was picked up. I remember, you know, when you get um, the Spanish tiles for a roof and how they run sort of slightly wide to thicker, you know, broader at one end and narrower at the other. Oh, the, the curve yeah so they're not usually just as straight they usually flared slightly and I was talking to the guys at Brickworks and I said so why are they like that and they said well the truth of it is is every village in Europe that uses them the roof will be different and I'm like what do you mean it'll be different they said the tiles will be different and I'm like tell me and I said well those tiles are made by taking us a, a piece of clay, so cutting a piece of a clay with wire and then dropping it over somebody's thigh, and that creates the shape. So in that village, the guy was skinnier than that, that village, or he had a bigger thigh or a smaller thigh, and so that's why they're all different in different regions of sizes and stuff because the guy making them, putting them over his thigh to shape the clay before it dried, had a different size leg. And that's why it goes from thin to thick because the knee's thinner than the than the th- than the center of the thigh, and that's why they work around in circles so well and do all the right. You know, anyway, lots of things. But that is part of that journey, isn't it? Interesting. And you go, we didn't, we don't have a history of that in a country as young as Australia, because our First Nations people didn't build; they weren't builders. Yet in Europe, they've been building for another thousand, well, maybe two thousand years before that, and so these layered, these layered methods. I'm going to say because they weren't even artisans; they were just being practical. They were just being tradespeople without machinery, without mechanics. Yeah, yep. Their mechanics was a piece of a couple of bits of wood and a wire, and a block of clay. Worked. <laughs> and, and then also a waste not kind of mentality as well. So if you were making, you know, the the roof tiles, you probably picked up all the scraps and ground those down and then used them as part of your plaster on your walls. Indeed. Especially in places like Italy, Middle East. Yeah. 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 And they yeah. found it actually had a, a great benefit for protection against the weather. Right. Yeah. there's an innovation rule that says use things no use all waste it's it's like if you're trying to innovate a product or a thing then how are you using the waste like how are you recycling the waste back into the product or another product yeah so and they did it naturally because the resources weren't around them not to 
That's right. Yeah. All kinds of funny things they discover by putting things in fire and yeah. <laughs> crazy. Wild. And, and so when they discovered that those things um, actually helped them waterproof their structures, tell me about that. Yeah. So there's a, I guess the most famous case would be what's called Roman cement, or mm-hmm. there's also, there's a number of materials around Italy where they learnt that crushing uh, clay brick, for example, has what you call a pozzolanic effect in a in a lime plaster, which has a chemical reaction which makes it more stand up better against water, more watertight, not waterproof, but you know suitable for an exterior coating. Finish. Right. Yeah. Well, why wouldn't an exterior coating be waterproof? Haha, <laughs> there's a rabbit hole. <laughs> Why wouldn't it? Uh, Why wouldn't it be waterproof? Because this is uh, this is going to shift the whole conversation dramatically. Okay, where, where do you want to go? Well, I'm just saying, like you know, like so many of our products that we apply to the outside of homes is to be waterproof, mm-hmm. and the products like paints, certainly render coatings, you know, cement renders go beyond that to things like timbers and stuff we're protecting them we're doing those things with them and maybe it's because of fast growing forests and forests and stuff you don't use like a pine siding on the outside very quickly you'd use a hard timber if you're not going to coat it with anything you know oils to repel moisture again and yet these people you're just telling me these people for you know thousands of years had things that weren't waterproof but they were, you know, highly water resistant. Yeah. And so things changed, you know, I think it was around the early 1940s where people started to change the way that they build homes, especially in Western society, kind mm-hmm. of using the building materials to be for faster builds, cheaper builds. They were making them more airtight more toxins, but getting back to the exterior coatings around waterproofing, these kind of exterior coatings like Portland cement, which was developed Mm -hmm. in the early 50s, that was because prior to that, you know, working with materials like lime, they took a long time to cure. It was quite a laborious process, whereas Portland cement was a lot harder, stronger, cheaper faster mm-hmm. so that as a as a coding example kind of took over just um, became economics yeah and you know it's so prevalent around the world cement and it's so cheap mm-hmm. and you know i'm not devaluing it in, mm-hmm. in that way but the perhaps overuse of it and where it became a problem too and a lot of buildings particularly heritage buildings was that you know, cement is not particularly permeable. It It's kind of closed off. So it doesn't allow the fabric of the building to breathe. And so all these old buildings were decaying because of moisture trapped inside the structure. And so now... And that moisture was coming from, from either... So, from the humidity inside the building. Yeah. So just to give a, an example of why these kind of natural plasters and renders are so important on on two levels, both health and also sustainability. 
when you're inside a home, you can think of it, I think Zara Dakota also used this term, of your walls is your third skin. So you've mm-hmm. got your first skin and then you've got your clothes as your second skin and your walls as your third skin. So in your home environment, you're breathing, you're cooking, you're boiling kettles, having showers. That's a lot of moisture vapour. Mm-hmm. And where is that going to go if your walls are all closed up with either a cement finish or a plastic finish, which is essentially what a- acrylic paints are? It's going moisture- to go mouldy. Yeah, it's going to sit on your walls as condensation, yep. which can turn to mould, which can lead to health issues. Yep. So, you know, traditionally buildings were not only built differently, they also had coatings that were not only breathable, but they also had the ability to absorb and desorb moisture. So they take it in when the humidity level is high and then release it back when it drops. And that helps to maintain an ideal humidity level inside a living space of 40 to 60%. Right. So this is when we talk about natural plasters on the inside of homes. It's one thing to have lime or clay or what have you but research has showed it also needs to be done in how they used to do it years ago it needs to be of an adequate thickness to be able to take in that moisture and have that that exchange if you've just got a two mil coat on your wall Mm -hmm. yeah it'll be breathable but a lot of people also will seal that with a a sealer that's going to cut off most of that breathability right yep most people don't think of that. They might think, oh, it's beautiful natural plaster. They don't realise that they're going to put a polyurethane sealer over it or the plaster has polymers in it to make yeah. if something's coming out of a plastic bucket and it's ready to trowel on, there's a good chance that it'll have polymers in it like from the plastic family that make it easier to work and, yes. and allow it just to be mixed up and put on. So these are some of the considerations for people interested in health and also from maintaining that, you know, inside it's more about health, but outside if, if you have a building, you want to preserve that, that indoor fabric. It's not as relevant if your building was sheeting, but you probably wouldn't put natural coatings on sheeting anyway because it wouldn't Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. It won't bond properly. Yeah. It, I find this a fascinating part of the 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 built space because it's the building biology part of this conversation. And, you know, you mentioned Sarah Dakota and she's on the podcast and a great friend of mine and Paula Baker-Laporte's another one. These, this, this health factor that it can bring to your living space is still fairly untalked about we're still yeah we're still making buildings and you know like for instance passive house i think passive house is an amazing discipline climatically where you and i live unless we want to live closed in which (laughs) i haven't had a client yet that said yeah just put windows all around and let us in the door and then close it behind us we don't (laughs) want to open anything our temperature changes aren't that high, you know, it could get, it can get uncomfortable, hot, it can get uncomfortable, cold, but 
it's within a band that's easily survivable. You know, you're not going to die of the heat particularly, and you're not going to die of the cold here. So Passive House is, is wonderful maybe in a climate where it's incredibly wet and it has extreme colds, those kinds of things. I think it works really well. And then on the other side of it, I go, we need solar design here. We need to be in a subtropical solar kind of design is what this region demands. And I look at that part of it and that whilst one works for one region, another region needs the other. But the product that you're talking with, Mineral Fox, it works in both regions because it's actually still about that internal humidity in the home as well. Like, so, yeah. Yeah, so up here, I would say the mould is Mm -hmm. a huge... Biggest um, problem. And mould won't grow on our lime plaster, our lime gypsum plaster. Um, if it's is that because you've told it not to? Why won't it grow on it? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point. So we're, we're, first of all, we're talking about that um, breathability and that what, what, you know, big word, hygroscopicity, which means the ability to kind of take in the moisture and release it back. Yep. But also lime is a natural antibacterial material. So you know, what do you throw in chicken coops to, you know, clean it up? What do the Greeks paint around the bottom of their orchard trees to keep insects off? You know, it's... Lime. Yeah, yeah. lime is widely used for that purpose. So it's, you know, well documented that lime is uh, a coating that if left, you know, this is all negated if you put a plastic coating over it, if you seal it yep. off with plastic, but if it's left either raw or with the natural breathable sealer on it, mould won't grow on it. Then, you know, if we're talking about the other parts of the country where we're talking about practices like passive house, what we're seeing is very much a lot of people want to improve energy efficiency by making buildings more airtight. But when we talk about what we were discussing before about if it's more airtight, ventilation, of course, is critical, but also when you're just in that space and you're breathing and you're cooking and you're showering, you know, something should be on the walls to to help manage that. And natural coatings at an adequate thickness, and like I say, research has shown they need to be at least the University of Bath has said at least 4.4 millimetres, but ideally a bit thicker so it can get the full benefit. But that in combination with the energy efficiencies and the ventilation and the material choices plays a huge role. And then you've also got the beautiful feeling that, you know, bringing that, you know, this is all magnified limestone, some crystals, earth, these are things from outside you're bringing inside your home. It's like a living organism. It's like it's like it's live with you. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And it and it changes. We're about to launch a coating botanocrete, which is incredible. It's made from botanical extracts and crushed limestone. That changes almost daily from the you know taking in moisture, releasing it back, and the patterns on it. So it's. It's like it's alive. It's not dead. It's not a yeah. plastic. It's not inert. It, it's actually moving. Yeah. It's it's live but not growing. 
as such. It's uh, yeah, I love yeah. Sorry. No, yeah, good. Sorry, sorry. It's okay. Say hello. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. What don't you have? Donna's getting your charger for you, Angel. I won't be long. You're a good boy. Thank you. Sorry, I'm making your job okay. happen. No, it's all good. It's all good. That piece that you were saying about the botanicry and this this thing of it, the, the building breathing with you. The coding. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but but yeah, just yeah, the coding breathing with you. But then we can go beyond that to the building breathing with you as well. And you know, as much as we might wrap a building internally, internally, when I say wrap it, plaster it, say with your product, then we've got to go the next step out, which is is what are we doing as our membranes? Um, yeah, at so that level as well. I would say, like, if you're going to build a house for that purpose of having the breathability and everything you got to build the whole thing yeah you know, you've, it's, the whole. A, it's the three layers like you know the third skin you've got to still do each piece of it everything. has yeah. to be in harmony with each other so that it performs to its maximum passive house is no different in that sense yeah. it's all about gaining the performance by following the system yeah. And you know, and it has its air changes, and the, the the whole system requires it to have its its air system in it as well, so that it will work. And yeah. this, again, yeah, I go. So this is about discipline of following a path. Yeah, for me though, I see it a little differently. I, I see like, yeah, there are people that really want to do that, and that's mm-hmm. I love that. But just putting like an adequate amount of natural breathable hygroscopic material on your inside or at least in your nursery or in your bedrooms it's mm-hmm. still going to give you benefit even if you've got plasterboard walls yeah you know, wow really inside. yeah it's not going to do much to the building nope. but for your health that's the difference as opposed to painting your walls in acrylic paint it's like having a plastic bag on your head you know or <laughs> having cling film on your walls you know yes yes so, so yeah, two- that's a really interesting point with it, isn't it? It even at that level, of, so you're renovating a house and it has a very traditional build system in it. Put this put put these finishes in the right places and it's nurturing your health at that point just by having four or five millibit on the wall yep. or on the ceilings. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I know some of our projects we have um your product on the floors, the walls, and the ceilings. Yeah, but um, that's microcement. That doesn't yes, breathe. That's not breathing. Yeah. So that has a different function. You know, when we're talking about the bathrooms and not mm-hmm. you know, whole water issue and and longevity and not having to rip things out after five years. That product is excellent in the right areas. But for me, I, what I tell people, most people don't follow it, is that. So listen up carefully, audience. Yeah. Are you recording? Yes. <laughs> this is this is to be followed. Yeah, yeah. So in we we're just doing a project in Tamarama in Sydney. Beautiful house, big, big project. And I said to the clients and the interior designer, I said, look, 
because they're looking at all our finishes. And I said, at least use the Ibiza gypsum and lime plaster in the nursery and the bedrooms, everything else, you know, but where you're sleeping, where you're breathing out that vapor, where your body's rebuilding, you know, mm-hmm. replenishing, renewing, replenishing yep. itself, help it, give it the best environment possible. You know, if you, I just think about that versus acrylic paint in, you know, a yeah. nursery, right? So, yeah. and especially like we're saying, buildings are becoming more airtight and we're spending more time in them. Mm. And so, these kind of choices in materiality and placing them in the right areas and knowing what things do for your health, I think is increasingly important. I, I'm, I'm with you. And like we, I said before, when we, before we recorded, you know, reference Paula Baker Laporte and she's a building biologist and architect from America. And she was telling me that, through a podcast that she'd done with somebody that it had opened up the biohackers to her her methodology and her education. And you suddenly go, so these guys that are kind of on the leading edge of wanting a healthier, more vibrant life and probably a longer life as well. It's not necessarily about the length of it. It's about this, it's about the health of it while you've got it. And her whole marketplace has just found a new customer because they've suddenly gone, oh, we hadn't actually considered that the vessel we're living in yeah. has this much effect over our health. I, I never knew it. And it, it was, you, you know, we mentioned, I mentioned earlier or while we were chatting that I was fortunate enough to find an amazing mentor and mm-hmm. he used to say this over and over and God, it took me years to get it. <laughs> to and hear it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't understand. And just reading, learning, mm-hmm. and then it clicked. And then I went, oh, and you know, a great example, we've got a little fibro shack near Gari. And so first of all, for everybody else in the world, fibro means fibrous cement sheet. And it is a building material that you find very commonly around the world. And often if you're lining a bathroom, you'd use fibro cement sheet or fibro cement sheet. So we call it fibro here down under. So, yeah, that's what we're talking about. It's usually about somewhere about six mil thick. So six millimeters, a quarter inch thick. And it's nailed on all the walls. So now you can go on. (laughs) That's brilliant because in my my job every day I would never call it fibro I would always say FC or villa board yes by a brand name the Aussie beach shack is you know a fibro shack so anyway (laughs) I'm glad you caught that one uh sorry everyone Um, it's perfect they got a little bit of uh Aussieana or whatever you call it I can throw in a few more too (laughs) (laughs) and that was built in the 1960s um and boiling hot in summer because you know the cement sheeting it's it's it just heats up then it gets cold freezing cold there's not much insulation going on and we coated the whole thing in really thick ibiza gypsum and lime plaster as well as clay plaster and we did all the the bathroom and kitchen and the macadia decoration as well but 
the difference in the temperature and the smell of the air is phenomenal. So really? we never use the air conditioner, rarely put on the fire. And when you open the door after you haven't been there for a long time, it used to really smell. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, but now it's always fresh. And for me, isn't, it- isn't that just such a, just such a, 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 a level that we want to be aware of you know you open the door and it doesn't smell musty or it doesn't smell damp or it doesn't smell dirty you know like it it actually smells like it does outside as such it smells fresh it really does and we never sealed it and our boys bedroom is coated in it ceilings everything and I can't tell you the difference it's made and also for people that have a space that they they don't have to pull things down. They yeah. can they can coat the walls within reason. Some mm-hmm. substrates aren't suitable, but you can totally change the feel of your space and the function of it, and the air quality, and the thermal regulation, and even the acoustic regulation. It's of it, course, it's- yeah, yeah. That that I think <clears throat> if you listen to this podcast and you don't get this point you need to listen to this bit over again because this is the part where you can do I'm going to say a very little part and gain a great benefit and you're you're we live in a world which is layered with nature and then chemicals you know everything man-made beyond that has the chance of having toxicity in it so that is, and the Surgeon General tells us how much we can have. You know, this would be an, an okay amount of toxicity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not that he's ever lobbied by any major companies. So, yeah, he's totally impartial. But we have this. This is the environments we live in. And our best selves lives healthily as humans and as animals. In the animal world, you'd, you'd be killed off. You'd die or you wouldn't make it. In our world, we preserve us. So when we've got this, but with simple things like you're saying of plastering the walls in a bedroom, just that alone would change the air quality in that room, the moisture quality, and it will lift your health game. And I just want people to know you know, there is in every industry, you've got to do your research. Mm. Uh, there are a lot of, I hate to use the term greenwashing, but there are terms <clears throat> yep. used loosely. What I would say to people, if this is of interest to you, read more about it or send us an email. But Yeah, reach out. Even if you're in America, reach out. Ask the question. Some like, great companies in America too. Happy to put you in touch. Like-minded people but using you need to use a natural plaster and that means there's no synthetic additives or you know polymers that kind of thing you need to apply it at an adequate thickness and you need to either leave it unsealed or use a sealer that will still allow that vapor exchange and breathability so they're really important things you know it's not enough to say that a coating has lime in it or has clay in it they can also have other things in there too so you need 
empower yourself on that that space. But natural is natural, you know, plant-based additives, not synthetic additives. Not all of our products are natural, but we do say what is natural and what is not natural. Yeah, I love that. It's a great benchmark as well to for anybody that's looking is if you go to Mineral Fox and just even use them as a benchmark for wherever you are in the world, find out what that benchmark is and then test it against the other things because one thing could be blocking or disturbing the whole the whole part. One of the things that I find <clears throat> really fascinating is with living in this part of Queensland where we live and we only live in the less than an hour apart, is that on this eastern seaboard, and I imagine if we went to Florida, well, no, I don't imagine, I know, if we went to Florida or we went to any of the Gulf states around the bottom of America, we experience these humidity or these humid kind of climates. And then also up around some of the lakes and stuff. And in these doesn't matter which climate it is, whether it's dry, wet or whatever, this product still is going to work. But in these ones where we live with a lot of open spaces, we, we like to open all our doors, we like to pull everything back, we like to make it possible for it to be lived indoor and outdoor. This product is actually carrying the nature into your home. It's actually, it's like biophilic design, but in a finish as opposed to in a planting or whatever that's inside the house. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and it, it changes the way a space feels immediately. Yes. Yeah. And I think this is what people, you know, they come back from being in Europe and little villages and things like that, and they are deeply in love with the experience. And so a couple of things has happened. They are in a leisure, leisure time, so they're seeing the world with different eyes. Yes there's a level of excitement and there's a level of adventure because the unknown is always around the next corner for them. So those things are engaging their senses a lot more strongly than they would be if it was where they lived. So their whole being is being opened up and it's having to take in new things. So they go to Europe, they see these wonderful finishes or these old ancient finishes is what I'd really call them. And it all feels wonderful. And so there's multiple factors why it feels wonderful. A lot of it though sits in the artisan and the materiality of it. And so to bring it back, and you know, when I was telling you the story about we put corner cement on it and we painted it, and I not everybody can see this. So then the look on your face with the paint was like, oh no. And I said, you said it, and I said, yeah, well, we use Porter's paints because it was a natural paint. You know, it's like you're using a clay-based paint or a chalk-based paint. And, again, in this part of it, you don't want to mess with the system, understand the system that will make it work. And then it will truly actually allow you to journey back psychologically to those spaces it'll that your your mind memory will carry that for you because it will be doing it through your breathing it'll be doing it through your sense of smell your sense of sound hearing all these points are going to all layer in and your life will be a better life because of it yeah and i i don't i think the time where when we think about natural coatings natural plasters natural renders they don't have to be that real rustic mediterranean 
anymore. Right. We find right. that our clients, you know, it's like it's like going to a pottery workshop and you get a piece of clay. You know, I can create something, professional potter can create something. They're totally different but the same material. And with these, you know, beautiful natural plasters that have been around for thousands of years, we're bringing them back in a modern way. So you don't have to have the, you know, yeah. vibe you know you can have a very simplistic scandinavian minimalist you know what wherever you want to go these materials can follow as long as you know you have a good tradesperson putting them on the wall and that's the beauty of them they're not just one thing and so mm. people can create they can create a space that's totally unique to them you know you don't have the same paint as everybody else yeah. you've got a finish that is yours and that is also timeless that and if you know from a sustainability point of view if that building ever needs to be removed or what have you these finishes are biodegradable they go straight back into the earth with no dust to dust yeah yeah i think that's a really important factor as well is that they're not leaving a residue and you know if, if say for instance often or more often than not in a renovation you know large parts of a house gets carried away to a tipping point and it it sits there and we all know the toxicity of land dumps yeah but this if it's going there it's not adding toxicity to the land dump no and when i you know when i clean out buckets um i'll put the the water on the garden because if you go to the garden sensor you can buy gypsum and you can buy lime and as for the clay well that's that's that is your garden that is your garden right (laughs) things are totally fine you don't want to put too much because your flowers may burn but that's the kind of crazy thing about it is that they are totally returned to the earth and my mentor says there's so many different ways to look at sustainability Mm you pull a building down can you grow potatoes on it and eat them you know yeah yeah that's a very simple way (laughs) it's a very good litmus test isn't it yeah it's it's could you do that and if you can't then maybe maybe we should be looking differently at what we do i think fascinating conversation and about taking it from the health point and then the from the health to the joy point as well of allowing yourself a better life and the other one is is around having people who like you do with your applicators and their trades people that they actually have to jump through the hoop to be licensed or accredited to work with your product and so it's tightly vetted. So these people come into your home knowing what they're adding to your home. They're not just there to do a job. They're there because they're, they're carrying it with them. You know, and in the spirit of how I started the business, it was really important to me that whoever was going out to our customers' sites on our behalf were the right kind of people that yeah. were going to delight every single time. And I know, you know, Lincoln. That, yes, uh, Lincoln from Linkworks here on the Sunshine Coast. Yeah. You know, 
these kind of people that they wouldn't leave a job unless it was perfect and they're good people. We also now we're at the stage where a bigger business, we, we do supply our product to anybody that would like to use it. We, we supply it to end clients as well, but we also have that tight circle of approved applicators for people just to give them that peace of mind. I must say with that, as a designer, we specify the trade, (laughs) like using Lincoln as the example, we put him on the specification sheet as the trade that the builder should use. And we ask the builder to question us about anything that we've got. So we'll have your products specified on a wall or whatever and we ask the builder to come to us if they want to make a change in that so that we know that that's going to be the right person we had it recently with a a job where Lincoln wasn't available to do it and so they came back to you and you gave him a different person and away it went again okay Mm. yeah it's I won't even go down that path (laughs) because (laughs) Uh, that would be a whole other conversation (laughs) I've got a I've got a question for you which is our last question which is about you and that is somewhere in your home or in your world in the built structure there is a favorite space what is it and where is it? It's the first part of the question. So where is it is this very long-running pool house that we have been pouring our hearts and souls into for two years. And um, we built it as a space, or I designed it, but built it as a, a sanctuary, really. You know, meticulous levels of detail, lots of material experimentation, lots of failures and lots of successes. But now that it's almost finished in the morning, I get up at five o'clock and I sit in there and I meditate and I just look at it and I feel like, yeah, it's my sanctuary. So for me, again, these kind of materials can create a space that seems a bit otherworldly it can take you somewhere else you know and somewhere beyond just your standard walls you can have a magic and that's what and I can't wait for you to see it a long time coming but that is that's my little sanctuary and when you're in that space how do you feel I feel safe and I feel calm and I feel that the world isn't so big because Mm. I have elements from India, Morocco, Bali, Scandinavia, Japan, things from everywhere, and it just makes me feel like I'm in the right place. I love that. (laughs) I love that. That's so cool. So cool. And you gave me all the emotional words that I was going to ask you for out of that anyway. (laughs) You summed it up beautifully. (laughs) And I would encourage every listener, we, we do a thing in our business, which we call the emotional floor plan. And that's a little touch of what the emotional floor plan is about, is about finding your emotions 
and that letting the built structure bring those to you or, or support those. And it could be a kitchen, it could be a lounge room, it could be anywhere. One of the things that's interesting with yours also is, is that it's actually outside of the house. Yes. It's, it's, and, and this comes up quite often for people, you know, and I'll say inside the home and it's often outside of the home. And again, it's more often than not, it's because it's actually giving them a bit of nature along the way. And yeah, so I love that answer. Really cool. And I'm looking forward to seeing it as well. Excellent. Not long, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do with the fact that everybody wants to touch your walls, mm. you know, because they're this tactility. I do think that we should start designing our houses with, you know, a wash basin at the front door so that they can come in and touch the walls without rubbing them with all the oil on their hands. <laughs> should have a little sign saying this is yeah. a mineral fox home. Yeah. Please wash your hands. <laughs> yeah. experience. Yeah, but because you will touch the walls. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, <laughs> oh, we've um, got little boys. So, you know, say <laughs> with confidence that, you know, people shouldn't have to be worried about that. Yeah. If things are, are finished by a professional properly, they shouldn't have to worry. Yeah. But you know when it works because that is what people do. Oh, I've had people who put their face up against it. They, they, Coolness, the warmness, the smell. Yeah. Something that you can't convey to people on Instagram is, first of all, the feeling in the space for yourself if you close your eyes. Second of all, how it smells, how the walls feel, and how your voice is in the space. So if you've got a big concrete modern building, you think about how it feels. It feels hard. You know, the acoustics feel hard. The, The air feels hard. You put a beautiful lime, clay, gypsum, thick plaster on, it feels soft. It mm. feels like you can sigh. You yeah, know? you can breathe. You can breathe. You can breathe. And yeah. see, concrete, nothing wrong with concrete. It's just, you know, the different feelings. It's the difference. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. the difference. Yeah, I think that's the thing. There's, no, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. Not saying don't have it, just saying you can do this to make it feel yes and, and nurture you better yes yeah. yeah Carmen absolutely wonderful we will of course post all your socials and everything else absolutely wonderful conversation and I hope for the listeners please write in ask us questions get in touch with Carmen we'll give you how and yeah don't be shy if you want to know more about it ask you know, and we can always come back with that as well. So don't be shy. Come and talk to us and let us know what you loved and what you want to know more information about. Thank you, Adrian. What a pleasure. Have a wonderful day, hon. Cheers. Bye. Hi, guys. I'm Adrian. I'm your host of Talk Design Podcast. I started this podcast a couple of years ago and in doing it, my aim was to talk to amazing design people, creative minds, people who I could learn from and hopefully you could learn from. This was a big part of my whole reasoning for starting the podcast. We've cracked over 80 episodes and we've done two homes tour specials for the AIA Austin in Texas which have been really great fun, talking just specifically about houses. 
We've talked to HGTV stars. We've talked to building designers, interior designers, architects, business coaches, and some inspired characters along the way. People who have captured my imagination and their creative output and gone, huh, these people would bring a story to somebody else and maybe inspire them to go a little further with what they're doing as well. So I wanted to reach out and ask you all for some advice because you are the guys who tune in and listen and subscribe, and I really appreciate that. So I want some advice from you. If you guys would be happy to share with me, A, what you like best, so that I can better direct what we cover as content. And then also, if there's things you want to solve, what are the three biggest things you would like information on? What are those kind of keys so that I can look and go, okay, let's find somebody who speaks specifically on these points and get some depth of information back to you that would be really useful in your business or in your life or in your home, whichever one it would be. So if I could ask you to do that, I would be forever grateful if you would share with me just through the email based on the Talk Design website, which is www.talkdesign.show. If you could just reach out via that email and say to me, hey, this would be a really great subject for me, for my business or for my family or for my home or for the way I want to see life. I would love to be able to support you guys and find those people that we could talk to that would bring that to you. So thank you very much for taking the time to listen. I so appreciate the fact that you listen to the podcast. It makes it all the more fun when I get messages from you to say, hey, this inspired me. I had somebody who sent me one the other day that said, your podcast, and we were talking on a certain subject, it was a game changer for me. It was a game changer in how I viewed how I was looking at what I was doing with my design and what was going to come from that. So these things make it all the more worthwhile. So please, if you could tell me top three things that would be useful to you, I would love to support you guys in delivering that. Thank you and thank you for being a listener. Take care, have a wonderful day, evening, wherever you are, whatever it is. Cheers, Adrian, over and out.